This is Fundraising Radio, and today is a guest speaker. We have Jake Hurwitz, founder and CEO at Parallel Ventures. And in this episode, we're mostly going to focus on venture studios. What it is, who is it for, who should try to go through venture studio, etc. So, Jake, I'll ask you off by you giving us some background on yourself and on Parallel Ventures. Absolutely. So, um, great to meet you, and thanks for having me here. Um, so my background originally started in marketing and design. Uh, I started my first real company when I was 18. It was a design agency and I was living out in uh, Boulder, Colorado. So I worked on that for about three, four years. And then I found myself uh, circling the startup studio world. I didn't know much about it at the time. Um, I, I ended up joining the startup studio in Boulder called Boulder Bits as the VP of branding. And the concept was pretty simple. It was, hey, we're going to bring together a core team of entrepreneurs and investors to start a bunch of companies. And Jake's going to be in charge of everything, marketing, design, creative for all of our companies, as well as the studio itself. Uh, so mm -hmm. I was there for a couple of years. We ended up shutting down uh, last January, January of 2019, because my CEO got sick. Um, but while we were while we were working on Boulder Bits, we also started GSSN, the Global Startup Studio Network, uh, which is basically, like the name suggests, a global network of startup studios. <laughs> um, at the time, which was around September, October of 2018, we had identified about 80 startup studios around the world. And today, a year and a half later, we're seeing about 500 startup studios around the world. So while the definition of a startup studio has gotten a little bit broader, we're also seeing incredible growth in the space. And so I've spent the last year uh, doing advisory and consulting for emerging startup studios, helping them raise money, helping them uh, structure the fund itself, market the company, and uh, it build the right internal processes to actually succeed as a studio. Got it. That's that's pretty interesting. I myself work at Venture Studios, so we have some stuff to talk about after the episode is over. <laughs> so can you can let's start with the the definition of the Venture Studio because I've seen hundreds of people who are not familiar with the concept whatsoever and it's it's pretty sad so can you give us like a broad definition of what venture studio is yeah there are a couple of ways to think about it um i'll run through a few of them the the, the way i typically describe it is you're like a startup that starts startups um, <laughs> you think of it as a factory where the whole point is to get a core team of awesome builders and these are typically entrepreneurs and or investors get them together to basically pool their resources, their expertise, their network into one team. And then as that small core team, we're going to create four companies a year or 10 companies a year or a hundred companies a year. We're going to do it all internally and we're going to do it from scratch. And so you, you can think of it in the sense of this is what comes before an accelerator program or before raising venture capital. Oftentimes, um, how do we take an idea and get it from napkin to an investable business? very quickly. And typically the goal is to get a startup from zero to one in less than 90 days. Um, mm -hmm. And the whole point is to do it in a templatized fashion to repurpose code and resources and talent as much as you can across the whole portfolio um, and to, to do it all at scale. So that's, that's one way to think about it. Another way to think about it is that it, in some capacities, and I'm going to be careful how I phrase this, it, it in some capacities <laughs> disrupts venture capital. So if you think of it, venture VCs are the middleman between LPs and entrepreneurs. Um, LPs invest their money into VCs so that the VCs can then go find the entrepreneurs for them basically and invest, invest directly into the entrepreneur. Right. So that's one way to think about it. 
the studio model eliminates the need for the VC in the first place, um, which has a few pros and cons. So in this case, the LP could invest directly into the entrepreneur who is the founder of the studio. And if that entrepreneur and their small team are really good at creating many, many startups, then we just cut out the middleman and you save money on fees. You also save time. Um, the, so anyway, that's, those are, the, those are the, the two ways that I typically define startup studios. I think I'm not quite sure if I agree with that definition or not, because I think VCs are usually investing at a very, uh, on the layer stages, because where we're venture, uh, where venture series just don't operate. We're usually working with idea stages, as you said, and VCs usually jump in when the check size is like 500K to, I don't know, $50 million. So uh, I, I'm not sure if venture series actually replace uh, VCs, but we'll keep it here for, for now. And let's talk about differences between venture studios and accelerators and incubators, because I see many people ask me a question uh, like, hey, how, how are you different from an incubator? So the term incubator, in my in my opinion, is uh, at this stage now a broad term for any type of vehicle that helps startups grow faster. So I think that startup studios are a type of incubator. I think that accelerators are a type of incubator. Um, that's how I look at it. Sometimes people think that incubators are their own thing, but I actually don't. I don't have another definition for it. There is a stark difference, though, between studios and accelerators. The difference is, is pretty clear. So number one, a studio is taking an idea that doesn't exist yet and bringing it to market. An accelerator mm -hmm. is accepting startups that already exist and just need help moving faster and, and growing, right? So that's number one. The number two difference is that studios typically take much more equity than accelerators do in each startup. Um, the average accelerator usually takes around like seven to 10%, sometimes a little bit more in each startup that they admit. A studio will take usually anywhere from like 12 to 30%. We've even seen some studios take anywhere from 40 to 60% of their startup. <laughs> um, and then the last difference is that studios typically inject much more capital into each of their startups. Um, the, the, the average or the standard across accelerator programs is you get around 100 to 150K, usually in a convertible note. And that's saying that these companies are valued a million dollars, right? The studios typically put in, on average, we see $240,000 per startup. Um, and so sometimes that number goes as high as 500,000 and then you work on those startups for much longer for the most part. So when you're in an accelerator program, um, you get like, you get attention from the, the, the team of people working at the accelerator, uh, you know, a couple hours a day or a few hours a week over the course of three months at a studio, it's the core focus for everyone on the team to work mm -hmm. on that startup for at least three months. Um, probably then another three months on top of that, and maybe another three months after that as they're like transitioning the studio out into the wild. So to sum it all up, the differences come down to equity, time per startup, and uh, and stage, and then amount of money that you actually get. Got it. So let's talk a little bit about the structure of the deal itself, because I know all venture CEOs are extremely different. I've uh, never even thought of taking as much as 60% of the startup, but all venture cities are extremely different. So some of them actually grow companies eternally. Then once the company is ready to raise a pre-seed stage round, they actually find a CEO that's fit for that company and only then they raise. But before that, they do everything by themselves. So at, at Make Studio, we're usually working like we find an entrepreneur with an idea, but it's just an idea written on a napkin, literally. And we put our team into that pro pro 
into that project. Uh, and then we turn it into actual startup. Uh, so can you name another, uh, gosh, I'm losing my words here. <laughs> can you name another structure of ventures you that you've seen or that you've seen working? Yeah, that's, that's a very common one. So there are two ways to think about what you just described. Um, quote unquote, it's idea first or human first. Um, this is one like core difference between many, many studios. And I have my own opinions as to what works better, but actually a lot of it comes down to the market that you're in and the geography. But idea first would be like, hey, we are an awesome team of entrepreneurs. We come up with our own ideas and then we just want to go find founders to build our ideas further. Um, think of it like a surrogate mother, right? We're producing babies and we want to go find mothers to go raise those babies. Um, <laughs> yeah. Human first is the opposite, which is, well, we're pretty agnostic to the idea itself. We care more about the founder and the founding team. So we're going to start by founding great individuals or great small teams, and then we're going to help them build startups around who they are and around their resources, and their, resources their passions, um, or rather their obsessions and their skills. So it actually changes a little bit the, the fundamental day-to-day -day of the studio itself. It's either, are you a group of people that are tasked with coming up with great ideas or your group of people that are tasked with finding great individuals and you can call that talent investing so that's that's like one core difference between many studios right now the another model that i really really like is actually one way to think of it is like an accelerator program for individuals i think antler uh, is a great studio that that does this really well and they're expanding right now and growing like crazy and human ventures here in new york uh, I say here in New York because I'm in New York, but they just launched a new program called Humans in the Wild. And I love this concept where basically you'd bring in individual founders who are like looking for their next project to work on. Um, they would join the program for 12 weeks. There would be a lot of co-founder matching that goes on. And by the end of 12 weeks, they will walk away with a fully fledged startup that they're now bringing to market. Um, Entrepreneur First also does this out in out in the UK. Um, and they're one of the top ones that have that have really nailed this model. I think that's a great model because you'll have a bigger portfolio. It helps you de-risk it. Um, and it's, I mean, even in the name of one of the studios, like you're literally going entrepreneur first. And I believe that that's the way to go is human first. Um, but that's a, that's a whole nother conversation right there. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. It is. I'm personally a big fan of venture CEOs, of course. And I mean, I work for one, <laughs> but let's talk about the downsides of the venture studio. Besides the fact that uh, sometimes venture studios take a large chunk of the company. What, what are the downsides do you think venture studio has? Yeah. I mean, number one is that it's so new and like this thing hasn't, this model hasn't, or rather, I mean, look, it's been around since 1996 with idea lab and the current iteration of it is new. It's new in the eyes of, the, the vast market. And because of that, it hasn't really stood up against uh, a recession yet. And maybe right now that'll prove to be either good or bad, um, looking at the market moving forward. So I, I personally only care about an asset class when it's gotten its ass kicked through a tough economic downturn, right? And it just hasn't seen that yet over the last few years. And so that's why I'm, I'm excited about the next few years for startup studios. So one downside to sum that up is it's just such a new model that people are skeptical about. And we haven't seen massive success at scale. We've seen a few wonderful successes and we're starting to like connect, collect small numbers of data that point to a successful future, but nothing that's wildly substantial at scale yet. So that's one downside. Another downside is that people just don't get it. So it's hard to raise money. Um, mm -hmm it's so rare to find an LP or family office that understands the studio model. And so trying to raise your own fund for one is just wildly difficult, much harder than raising a fund in general. 
So that's tough. Another downside is that entrepreneurs are protective of their equity and good entrepreneurs, as they should be, are protective of their equity. And so it's difficult to sell them on, uh, excuse me, why they should give up maybe 40% or even 20% of their company if they have other options. Like they could go and raise venture capital on their own. They could go to an accelerator program. They could bootstrap. They could go to any other studio. So why should they choose yours? So for a lot of emerging studios, a big question that I ask or that they have to ask themselves is like, what actually allows you to entice founders to take a deal like this with you. And then for founders, one of the questions is like, am I really willing to give up all this equity? In my opinion, pretty much always yes, as long as the founding team of the studio is really badass. Um, in that case, they're gonna it's gonna pay dividends as to how much value you get for that equity. Uh, and especially for the stage of founding, the stage that you're at in your career as a founder, right? If you're a five-time founder, a studio model is probably not the best fit for you. Uh, you just don't need it. But if it's your first or second company, um, and you you just need that handholding with general day to day things that you shouldn't be focusing on. The studio model is absolutely for you. Um, so those are those are some of the like high level downsides that that I bring up most often. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So I think last one I would say I'd actually add one more is there's no precedent here. No one knows what they're doing. So <laughs> uh, like, people ask me all the time like how do I do this? How do I do that? What's the answer to this? Or what's the answer to that? Like I don't have the answers. No one has the answers because there aren't any answers. I have. I have some answers. I have my own answers. I have my own thoughts. I do my research and like, I'm going to think critically and try to come up with ideas from, for all the companies I work with or studios I advise. But um, again, like no one really has the right way to do this. And for those who have figured something out, it, a lot of it has to do with luck or timing. Um, we could start to draw parallels, no pun intended, uh, but <laughs> it's just with such a new thing, there's really no precedent, which makes growing it difficult. Um, and a lot of speculation. Absolutely. So you, I think you mentioned that uh, startup studios basically haven't uh, gone through any recessions yet, but it was funded in 1996. I think the concept is even earlier. I've seen uh, people who have done it much earlier, but didn't really realize that it's a venture studio or startup studio, whatever you call it, because the, the, yeah. the term just didn't exist. So they've gone through plenty of horrible things like dot-com bubble then 2008 and now now the coronavirus so it's three events so do you think that's not not enough of a check i think that this is actually a fantastic opportunity for startup studios the reason i i look at it in that perspective is because let's take 2008 for example in the recession um at the time people i mean like i was pretty young so i wasn't i'm only hearing this type of uh information secondhand i i uh -huh watch this happening at the time. Um, but looking back from what I understand, entrepreneurs weren't thinking during the recession, like, oh my God, I need to go start a company right now because look <laughs> how like look how cheap it is to start a company and that more millionaires are made during recessions than any other time. And I'm gonna go look for an entity to help me do it. Um, you know, accelerators were barely getting started for the most part, studios, no one really knew about it. So in the, in the mind of the entrepreneur, going to another organization to help me do this thing better and faster, it wasn't a thought on their, on their radar. Um, at least until, you know, Airbnb and Uber popped up and went through Y Combinator. And that was just like, that was the, that was the beginning. And so now what I think is so interesting is with content and media and marketing overall, telling the story of startup studios and the importance of entrepreneurship right now, we can tell a very clear story with a really enticing call to action, which is, Hey, jobs are not available 
instead of trying to get a job, why don't you go create a job? And we understand you don't know how to start a company, but that's what we're here for. We're here to reduce the risk and take mm-hmm. all the difficult things off your plate so you can focus on doing the one thing you do best and the one thing you should be doing, which is getting customers. We'll take care of everything else. So the risk and the, the, the fear around starting a company during a recession, studios eliminate a lot of that. And so that's part of the, the story that I, I think needs to be told. It's part of the story I'm certainly telling as to the, the need for studios on both sides of the marketplace right now. And I think in the coming years, especially as unemployment, for the most part, I think it's going to continue to rise like crazy. Um, the studio model is a fantastic, fantastic structure to reduce that. Absolutely. I totally agree with you on that. So let's move on to probably our last question for today. And it's why do you think VCs hate venture studios? Because I've talked to tons and tons of VCs and many of them are like, oh, gosh, you work in a venture studio. And that's 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 all I say, basically. (laughs) But what do you think most of the VCs don't really like venture studios? Why exactly is that happening? Yeah, I think um, so. I've never gotten had a VC look me in the eye and tell me why they don't like it. And I've gotten, I've had the same conversation that you've had, it sounds like, where I say, well, why don't you like the venture studio model? Because we just don't, just because. Uh-huh. Okay. If that's your answer, then that's fine. So I can circle back a little bit to what I mentioned earlier, which is why I actually think, and I, I hadn't brought this up before, but when I say like, I think the studio model disrupts venture capital, I actually think it really helps venture capitalists and it helps them stay more focused. So I'll start by saying, and the data points to this, so we can't refute this, like venture capital has moved to later stage, right? Um, VCs used to be interested in putting $500,000 into a deal, but now with so much more dry powder out there, they're interested in writing bigger checks. And just the, the stage of venture capital has moved later. Angel rounds have gotten bigger. Seed plus rounds are now a thing. Seed rounds mm-hmm. have gotten bigger. So, so now the studios can replace that entire couple first few years and basically go to the VCs and say, hey, look, stop writing small checks. We know you don't want to write small checks. We'll take care of everything pre-Series B or Series C, and then we'll bring you right in when it's time for you to write a big check. And the risk up until that point has been almost eliminated, or at least drastically reduced. So the studio model helps, I think, clean up a lot of the messiness around around venture. Absolutely. VCs, um, I don't know... Like I mentioned before, I don't know the exact reasons why they dislike it. I think some of the things I've heard are, well, good luck, <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Mindset there is, if only it were that simple. I've heard that a bunch of times. Like, if only it were that simple for you to go start a bunch of companies, um, then you'd be successful. And it's just not, it's not that easy. It's really hard to start one company and be successful, let alone start many companies at a time at the same time and have many of them be successful. Like, Look, that's why the studio model is becoming more templatized. I'm reporting on my research. I'm doing the research. There are other folks in the space that are doing the same thing. We've been talking about it right now, all of which is to help those entrepreneurs, those studio founders start better companies at scale, uh, many of them. So for VCs, I think it's just like the skepticism because they know how hard it is. VCs are smart. Um, mm-hmm. I've been in venture and I admire the hell out of venture capitalists. They're really smart and they know how hard it is. And they look at it as just, the studio model, we haven't seen success metrics yet. They care a lot about the data. Um, we've seen a few success metrics, but nothing that tells a great enough story. So they're just skeptical. Um, and a lot of people say that like venture capitalists are the most risky investors. I think they're actually the least risky investors. They're the ones who put the most time and dil- effort into diligence out of any other investor <laughs> that I've ever seen. And so when they just look at a model that doesn't have substantial history or story behind it yet, 
um, of course they're going to be skeptical of it. So I, I can certainly understand that. I'm excited about the VCs that are excited about the model, like willing to keep an open keep an open mind and, and keep paying attention to it as as the market grows. Um, but I every now and then have definitely heard VCs even tell me in my face like this is a terrible model. It's never going to work. Please don't contact me again about it. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's like all right, that's fine. You know, not everyone's going to agree on the same thing. And I think the last thing is just like potentially they feel a threat. I don't know. I if I was a VC right now, I would be. It's, I'm biased because look, because I know a lot about the studio model and less about VC than I know about studios. So I'd be, but if I was a VC, I'd be like, I'd be curious about the studio model. I'd be very concerned about it changing up how I need to do my business. I'd be concerned about my potential founders that I want to invest in asking me about studios and maybe going to a studio instead of taking my money. Um, it just cuts into their business. It just changes the landscape. And for a really calculated, diligent, shrewd investor, absolutely, they're going to be concerned about something new popping up. But look, you have to adapt. That's the way this world works. That's how investors right. need to be. That's how entrepreneurs are. Like, ride the wave. And we start to see um, some VCs actually backing studios. I think the last thing I'd bring up as to why it's difficult is because VCs are used to a standard operating model, right? Like the carry is standard, the terms are standard. Um, there is a precedent there. With studios, mm -hmm. there is none. You know, you can choose your own management fees for the most part. You can choose the timeline of every fund. Like you can write your own bylaws. Um, you can raise your own sidecar funds. And just we're starting to create some precedent because it makes the growth of the industry better. But when you say to a VC, hey, would you like to set up a studio? They can't. It's not within their legal abilities with their LPs to, uh -huh. to do that. Right. So they would need to go through a whole, raise a whole other fund just to start a studio. And for a lot of them, it's like, hmm. What we're doing is working. Why would we go raise another fund just to start a studio to take that risk? Like, there's no reason to. Um, but like Foundry Group, for example, one of my favorite funds, they've invested in a number of startup studios into their funds. And so I think that's going to be a, a nice transition for venture capitalists to get into the studio space is to put their money behind other studios rather than starting their own studios. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that venture capitalists really should not be fighting venture studios because I mean, people were on the same side. Come on, we're bringing them good deals. That's that's basically what we're doing here. And I've seen uh, once I was in a dinner uh, in San Francisco with a VC and another startup founder. I mean, not a startup founder, v venture startup founder. Gosh, losing my words again. <laughs> but basically... At some point, it got so bad, they nearly got into a fight. It, it was just like, I could see hatred in their eyes. Yeah. It was so bad. I, I can't really understand why is that happening. But I hope that when people listen to at least this episode, they're going to be like, oh, maybe we should actually look into this concept more openly, you know, and sure. try to actually think about it. So, yeah, we're going to wrap it up here. Thanks a lot, Jake, for coming out, for sharing your experience and your knowledge about uh, Venture Studios. That's the Absolutely. word. <laughs> yeah, my pleasure. Absolutely. All right. Have a great weekend and stay safe. Bye. Take care.